All right, what is up 20 plus? It's Pastor Logan here. Super excited for the start of this podcast. And you may say, wait, I've heard podcasts before. I've listened to things. And obviously we put up events like Culture Combos and 20 plus in the past and different things that we've archived that we wanted to share with you guys. So we thought, hey, let's have a podcast. But now it's exciting because we're saying, let's have something official. Let's do something real. Let's do something great. The official 20 plus podcast is here and this is the first episode inaugural very first one and i'm excited so we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff we don't really know where it's going to go we're just going to see where it leads uh, but have conversations around all right what's god speaking to us in this area or how do we read scripture or what's what are we learning in our life groups or really just all different things there's no expectation we just want to have conversations um and you guys listen and hopefully get something out of them and i know god's going to be in them and through them and we're going to be able to do that. And when I, when I say we, we're joined by one of my great friends, and he's here with us, Brett Norling. Brett is an amazing servant leader at our Minneapolis campus, helps out with 20 plus a ton, has been involved in the ministry for several years, and just makes a lot of stuff happen. And we've been talking about this podcast for a while. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fired up to, to see where we go and to see what not only we get to talk about, what we get to learn in the process. Um, I'm excited about a lot of things, but I'm especially excited today about this. Totally, yeah, and over over the next, I don't know, few weeks or months or however long we go, uh, we'll be bringing in other people. Uh, not not that we have this expectation of bringing in guests every single time. It might be just us. It might be, you know, other people that are joining from our team, other guests that are coming into town that are, you know, visiting our church. Twenty plus is the ministry of River Valley Church. We are the it's it's the parent of who we are. It's we're River Valley through and through. So our YouTube's River Valley Twenty Plus. Um, our ministry is under that and so if ever there's a guest that comes through we want to bring them in here but uh, there's no expectation in that and so this is where we are 20 plus podcast officially here super exciting here with brett and today we get to dive in talk a little bit about our our event many people know 20 plus for our big events that we've done and we just got done with the one 20 plus winter which i think was one of the best events that we've we've ever done and we have that up on youtube if you want to check it out but I know that it's like when you do an event, you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these exciting things. I stayed up to like 3.30 in the morning. I was like texting the lead team, like so excited because of what God was doing. But once you do it, it's like, all right, what's next? And so I think it'd be cool if we just talked a little bit about it. Like what is 20 plus like winter? How was it? What God was doing? Maybe what God was speaking to you. I know I preached a 47 minute message or something which normally i preach less than that so god was just on the move and then the fire department came so it was it was a fun night a yeah. fun night for sure yeah those events you have so much prep and then it goes by in a flash and yeah. at midnight when you're finally done tearing down you just think what actually what actually happened tonight and and i mean for me 20 plus has been my heartbeat and i would love just I'd love to hear more about where you came, you know, how you got to a better country. And, and we sure. have this title we posted on YouTube, but what was what was the background? What was your studying like? I mean, what was the inspiration? Yeah, totally. I mean, I write sermons and I'm usually like a day of sermon kind of guy. Yeah. Because if I have a message prepared or I have a scripture that God's speaking to me one day, it could totally change the next day because I'm reading my Bible or I'm hearing something or I'm reading a book and God just shifts it. So usually I'm like, all right, day before, what's God speaking to me? I want to preach this. Not that I want to be unprepared, but I just feel like it's freshest in my mind. And this was not that. So like three weeks before 20 plus, I was reading in Hebrews. It just felt like God wanted me to share from Hebrews 11 on faith. And I didn't know what verses, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to read Hebrews 11. Really felt stirred by it. And then I started reading and I got to the middle of Hebrews 11 and it, the scripture just jumped out me, out at me. And it was like that, I've never read it that way before. And you know, I think that's what's crazy about when you read scripture. It's like, you can read something over and over again, but then you read it one time and you're like, how did I miss that? How was that there the whole time? And so when I read it, I was thinking, this is it. That's the scripture that I need to read. That's the scripture that God's speaking to me. And then from there, all of a sudden, the stories and the you know more things I read, kind of commentaries about what that verse is meaning and really kind of dissect the whole chapter. Usually shorter books in the New Testament, I'll kind of read the whole book to see if there's any parallels. Um, it's easy to do that rather than like, oh, all of a sudden I'm reading Genesis. Oh, I got to read the whole thing now. 
Um, but that's kind of where the message came from was just from Bible reading, reading it. And that's usually where most of my messages come from is yeah. I read it in scripture. I write it down. I actually have notes on my phone. Every time I feel like there's a word that God gave me for a specific verse, I'll just title it like sermon idea or message or anything. And then sometimes I go back and, and look at those and see, okay, what's God speaking to me now? Sometimes I look and that doesn't make any sense. Other times it's fresh and relevant for what I need to do and speak. Yeah. Speaking on the idea of, of sort of this, you know, in Hebrews 11, we find in chapter 13, this reference that these people were exiles in the land. They consider themselves foreigners. And I found in my, my faith journey, there's this tension a little bit between the understanding that I am a foreigner and I'm an exile. I'm not really of this world, but I'm in this world. Those are, those are other scriptures that we hear about. And I think the challenge sometimes is how much do we separate from the world versus how much do we invest in the world? Especially as a young adult ministry, I have so many students ask, or so many people, even in myself, my own journey, I had so many wrestling moments of, dang, I love those people, but I don't want to live that lifestyle anymore. And totally. I think it's something that, you know, you and I both, we're learning, like, how do we influence the world, but not let the world influence us? And that's a challenge for me to, to get find that balance and walk that line. And this scripture kind of points it out like is being a foreigner in a land does that make you just useless to the land (laughs) no i hope not yeah no hopefully not but yeah i I think it's a great question and i think it's attention i think that's a great way to put it is it's attention to manage and there's a lot of things in scripture that aren't very clear to okay this is how you should live your life this is how you need to be a foreigner you need to do these things and and not do these things like you need to listen to that music or not that music it's like okay god i'm following you does that mean i can't listen to drake anymore (laughs) or does that mean that i can't dress the way i do or does that mean that i can't hang out with the people that i used to hang out with and i think what we see in scripture is that a lot of those things are what jesus was pointing out in the pharisees that he didn't like about them is hey you're so strict with the rules of of you got to act this way you got to do these things you got to do this he actually calls them out on some of the laws that they're following saying i don't even think that's a law there were all these laws that the pharisees created that were kind of off of the law of moses but they were man-made laws and so when jesus comes he says you know i didn't come to abolish the law i came to fulfill it but what you guys are doing is way over the top and so they were kind of taking themselves to a, a place that it was like a holier than thou. I'm better than you because I, I wash this many times. Or I'm better than you because I sacrifice this way. Or I'm better than you because I don't hang around those people. And they're misinterpreting some of the truth of what God's saying back in the Levitical law. But then in the future, they're totally off. And I think sometimes we're that way. I think we're, we're thinking, all right, I can't do this. I only got to listen to Christian music. Or I only got to do this. Or I, I can't hang out with those people. And I think sometimes... That may be true for us. For me, I really don't try to listen to music if there's really bad like innuendos or bad swearing, all this stuff, because it affects my soul. Mm. And I think that should be the filter that we look through is, God, how is this making me? Is this affecting my soul? Is this affecting the, the calling that you have in my life, the holiness, the person that you've asked me to be in my workplace or in my school? That's the filter that we should look through. Because I think sometimes we're asking the wrong questions is God is this is this hurting is this hurting is this hurting but we don't ask who it's hurting it's like is is that hurting you maybe is that hurting somebody else maybe but I I don't know I I think we we have the wrong focus is we need to check the boxes to be the right Christian whereas really God's saying I care about what's on the inside and for some people that may be not hanging out with that crowd for some people that's too much for them they say they're gonna pull me right back into the life of drugs that I left. And you know, it's just wisdom. You wanna set those boundaries in your life to say, this is what I'm gonna be based upon who I am, based upon who God's made me to be. I know friends of mine that'll go into clubs and they'll bring a buddy with them and they'll minister to people because they trust themselves that they're not gonna be drinking and, and you know, smoking and all this stuff with the, the buddies that they were with because they have a trusted friend. But then there's other people where they'd say, hey, I don't even trust myself near alcohol because I can't even I can't even deal with that. Because if I look at it, I, I have that temptation of the addiction I used to have. Mm-hmm. So it's knowing yourself. Um, I think there are clear boundaries that God sets, but I think many of the boundaries that we're looking at are, okay, God, this is what you've called me to be. Am I able to accomplish the call of my life by doing these things? If I am, I'm going to live in that tension. If I'm not, 
then I'm going to step back. Yeah, I mean, that's understanding that Scripture doesn't write out every answer for you. It necessitates the Holy Spirit, right? There's something to be said about understanding your own heart. And like you say, if you're not in a position to to be in a certain context and really stand your ground, it's not worth it. You know, ultimately, I don't think God has rules that, you know, they're not, rules are for us. They're to protect and help us. And so when it comes to those concrete things, I, you know, we should abide in those. But when it comes to some of that gray area of, you know, what does scripture say about, you know, drinking as a Christian or not drinking as a Christian? There's not, nobody, you know, it's a hard, don't go in drunkenness, right? But like you say, some people can't even touch alcohol versus others can use it as a way to create conversation with, with people who maybe would never step into the church. And Yeah, and I think that's something that it, it, it's, there's a lot of theological paths you can go down. Yeah. You know, I think alcohol is one where you could go, you, we, we could spend a whole entire episode series on that. I think for many people, though, it's, God, what are you asking me to do? You know, what are you teaching in your scriptures? And then how can I apply that to my context? Great. But then I think it's also important to look at what is scripture saying? What do I believe about myself? What do others believe about me? Because I think if we're not careful, all of a sudden we're going to start making excuses for ourselves, where we say, oh, well, yeah, I can do that because God doesn't say it. But others know our weaknesses. Mm. Others know our struggles. Others know that, you know, we shouldn't be on our phones late at night. Others know that we should not go out with people who are going to pressure us because we struggle with peer pressure. Other people know that about us. And so I think if we can trust in trust in the scripture, trust in the things that are ambiguous that we can decide, but then also trust in people who are key voices in our life, who know us well, who know the giftings that God's given us, who know the temptations that we've fallen to before. And we say, God, I'm going to surround them. I'm going to surround them or surround myself with them in my life so that I can be better protected. And so I think, again, it's like we could talk about this for a long time, but those are just some of the filters that I look at. Yeah, I love that. I'm just, it has to be a multifaceted filter. There's not one filter that will catch everything or create you, create a character in you that's perfect, right? You have to have trusted others. You have to have scripture. You have to have your own convictions. Um, You mentioned excuses. And one of the things, you know, in this message, A Better Country, you brought up this idea that you know, as we step out of this old country and we say, hey, we're not, you know, we're, we're believing for a better country, there's going to be a challenge. And you talked about this, this idea of excuses, this tendency to, to say, well, that's not for me or that's too challenging. And one of the things I feel like God really spoke to me as you were speaking was that so often our excuses, they come from just false expectations that our understanding uh, of what following Jesus actually looks like has set us up to fail. And even when we were at VU conference, I remember Don Shree saying, you know, living the dream is different than dreaming the dream. That, and that totally. stuck with me, that there's this idea of almost this romanticism in our young adult life where I'm going to follow Jesus. But when the rubber meets the road, it just feels sometimes like so much harder, so much of a grind. And I, I wonder, and even for me, this is a challenge this year. My obedience has been, I feel like God's been really... Like, are you being fully obedient? And so often I'm tending to shy away from that and and make an excuse because I didn't understand that God didn't ask for half of my life or he didn't ask for just a few comfortable. He didn't ask me just to get in a life group and just to be happy with that. He asked me to go and preach the gospel to every nation. So for me, that's that was one of the most convicting things that I think came out of the message was Brett, your excuses, it's not because you have a bad heart. It's because you have a misunderstanding about where you're, what it's supposed to look like. Absolutely, absolutely. And I talked about it a little bit in that, but it's usually because we have a false expectation. Our excuses come from a false idea that it was going to be easy, that it was going to be simple, or that the calling that God put on our life when he says, hey, I'm going to go to the Middle East, and I'm going to start a church, and I'm going to reach people you know, in, in one of the hardest places in the world, and God's going to just give me that revival to happen and then all of a sudden you get to have a struggle getting your visa and it's like well god what didn't you want me to go he's like yeah but i I promise you this this calling and this opportunity but you're saying oh once it gets hard i'm gonna quit god's like 
read the Bible. Read the Bible. I mean, look at Job. Look at look at every single one of the patriarchs. Look at all the people in the New, New Testament. Many of them, pretty much every one of the disciples, murdered for it. And then we see, you know, John at the very end, the last one there, saying, "God, I'm getting this revelation of you." And the revelation still says it's going to get hard for you guys. And so I think that's a the first step of making excuses is we just have a false idea of of how this life is going to be. But you know, you mentioned what what Don Cherie said, and I think that's so true. Is that's with everything. If we have this dream, if we have this call, if we have this vision, thinking about it, I think in our generation, I'm, I'm one of these people, when I think about it, I feel like I did it. I mean, if you think about winning a, a sports match or you think about getting a promotion or you think about asking a girl or a guy out or you think about this, this future that you have and then all of a sudden you have to do it, it's totally different. But I think the culture we have with social media, with I'm not here to harp on it. That's not what this is about. But it's we we see things happen on the screen. We see things happen in our lives that are are not real to us. Maybe they're real to somebody else. But because of that, we feel like it's so much easier than it actually is. We don't see the other 23 hours of the day where they're grinding away, or we don't see the other 23 hours of the day where they're going through pain and hurt. And and I look at great leaders that I look up to. And most of them, when you sit down with them, they've gone through so much pain to get there. And you'd say, okay, I love your platform, but I don't really love the pain. And God's like, in order to get the platform, usually you have to go through pain because sustaining a platform is hard. Sustaining a ministry is hard. Sustaining a job is hard. Sustaining a relationship is hard. But overcoming pain is really the opportunity that you have to continue. And so I think when you look at somebody who's in a great platform, when you look at somebody who's in a great place and they're not making excuses, it's because they've experienced the pain and the hurt that it took to get there. Not everybody, but but I, I would say most people have experienced something unbelievable they had to overcome in order to get to the place that they're at. And because of that, they're able to continue to sustain it. And, you know, it's it's the old saying, but like, you, you know, you you never know unless you walked a mile in their shoes or you walked a couple steps in their shoes. And once you get there, you realize the mantle of leadership is hard or the, the calling of God is hard or living out you know, your faith in a tough work environment or in a secular school. Those things are all really hard. And until you get there, you're never going to know, you know what, what God is speaking to you. And then you say, wow, this is hard. And God says, yeah, I'm, I've been speaking to you how hard it's going to be. You know, so... Yeah, that's, I heard the other day that one of the things, if we could just flip our perspective from seeing an inconvenience as an inconvenience and turn it into an opportunity that every inconvenience, if it's somebody, a tough person we run into while we're at Target, or if it's a coworker who is just always trying to gossip, right? This seems like an inconvenience, but what if we just flipped our perspective and say, this is an opportunity to build something inside of me, build a character that in the long run is going to set me up, like you say, for a platform because what a danger if your platform is super close to your character. You always want your character to exceed the influence that you have by an immense amount, hopefully. Totally. I mean, I think even in my own life, sometimes I've felt as if I've stepped into leadership, maybe without the the credential. And not that it's a like an educational credential, but a character credential that totally. I maybe I've been under-trained in a certain area of, I don't know, do I lie to people? And it's maybe a little white lie, but I think that comes out. And I think you, the authenticity of care, like when someone has a great character, they become the most authentic person because they're not hiding. Absolutely. There's nothing behind closed doors. It's, this is real. And and when I, I agree with you, when I run into the highest level of leaders, it's always surprising how it sometimes feels easy to like point a finger and be like, well, you know, from afar, I thought you were this way. But when I kind of rub shoulders with you, I'm shocked. And not in a bad way, in a good way, because you you got the you got the walk to match the talk. Yeah. And I want to be that way, but so often I think I stop at, man, that's just a little bit too hard. And I think I'm going to cave or fold. Um, and I think, too, with... I think this message is preached a lot. I think that... We do talk about, hey, you gotta wait. You gotta wait for your opportunity. You gotta wait for your your calling. You gotta wait for your promotion. You gotta wait for all those things. And I think it's right to be preached a lot. I'm not dogging it. I I'm, I preach it myself. 
Um, but I think there is something to be said about not just waiting for it, but taking advantage of what has been given. Because after all, when we look at the parent parable of the talents, the the master who returns wasn't frustrated because he buried five talents. He was frustrated because he buried one. And I think sometimes we feel like, God, I'm going to do it. I'm preparing to do it later. I'm preparing to be a great boss someday. I'm preparing to be a great fill in the blank. And God's saying, well, how about we first be a great employee? How about we first be a great student? How about we first be a great daughter? And let's do that first. Because greatness, I I believe that people who are great at one aspect of their life are often great at many, not not all aspects. You know, you look at people who have great jobs or great athletes that struggle with relationships behind the scenes, not all things, but there are many things that take a great person, great fitness or great, you know, a great mind or great personal skills. Greatness piles onto each other. And when you do things that are great, piles on when you do things that are not great it piles on and then all of a sudden you're sleeping all the time your job is struggling your relationships are struggling you feel like all of a sudden your whole life is falling apart but i think the waiting season sometimes has more to do about what you do in the season you're in rather than waiting for the next opportunity Mm -hmm. because you don't know when it's going to be you don't know if it's going to be six months from now six years from now 60 years from now it's all right god i'm going to do what you call me to do with where i'm at and that's where when we talk about Hebrews 11, it's these people left not really sure where they were going, but saying, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and say, God, I need you. But wherever you're leading me, if this is it, if this is as far as you want me to go, I'm going to I'm going to do it the best of my ability. If, if it's 10 steps forward, if it's a thousand steps forward, I'm going to keep doing it that way. And I, I know that's a reminder for me that, you know, Logan, you can't you can't get there based upon what you are thinking about. You can't get there based upon your dream. You can't build an organization or lead a ministry or you know help people or lead a family by thinking, wow, that's my dream. You gotta start somewhere and you gotta start moving and start making it happen today. And so I think that's a reminder that I need to be focused on. And I don't know, just something that I feel like God speaks to me yeah. often. People of action, I was thinking in scripture it's, so often, I mean, Paul even says that we could test the right way. And it's not that we wouldn't always know the right thing to do, but we would do something and that would guide us to the way. I love that idea that I think passivity is the greatest cancer to our spiritual lives. That I think, like you say, greatness is not only contagious from you to me. When I'm around great people, I think it makes me better. I think it's contagious from me to me. If I'm totally. doing great things not just great things but if i'm doing small things well then it does it's not so hard to do the big things well even when it comes to tithing i know i've heard so many people say hey when you're making thirty thousand dollars a year it's not super hard to tithe but if you don't do it there you're probably not going to do it if you end up making 200 300 you know if you start to multiply that it gets kind of scary but absolutely isn't that the reality of sometimes following jesus is that as we go it doesn't somehow cost us less someday yeah. i think it probably is just going to continue to cost us more and so totally. if we haven't trained ourselves to let go and submit to where he's taking us on that journey of look i've done these little things to them to him who has been faithful and little he'll be given much that's that's challenging yeah and look at the disciples i mean at first jesus says leave your nets and then he says give your life hmm. And there was a journey on there, but it's for a lot of people that taking your net is a challenge in its own right. You look at the story of the rich young ruler who just, he couldn't, he couldn't give it up. And he said, I can't, I can't, I have so much here. So for some people, that's the barrier to entry into the kingdom of God is you can't give up the things of this world, of the temptations of this world. But for others, it's all right. I've accepted that. I'm going to give the things up. And, you know, for some, maybe it's money. For some, it's a job. But I think for many of us, it's small parts of many things in our life. And at some points, God's going to ask us for a big chunk. And are we ready for that big chunk? But for many of us, it's small chunks here and there. But then it's going to lead us to that point where it's, all right, now are you ready to give your life? Was it a life, a lifetime of it? Maybe. Was it one key moment in your life that you needed to decide, like many of the martyrs in the early church? You know, in in Western, the Western world right now, that's not as common. 
maybe someday it will be, but I think for us it's how are you gonna act in your workplace? Are you gonna deny me by the way you live? You know, maybe we don't have a Peter moment where somebody points to us and said, you're a follower of Jesus, but they're doing it every day. They're doing it with, the, the they're watching the way you act. They're watching the way you treat your, your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. They're watching the way you treat your coworkers. They're watching the, the way you spend your time outside of the office or outside of the classroom. That is the moment that God's talking about is, are you gonna live for me? Are you gonna follow me? Again, there's bigger moments but I believe that sometimes we discount those small ones. And in the same way we're asking for opportunities, God's saying, I'm giving them to you every single day. Mm-hmm. And so let's not brush by them. Let's take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah, you just mentioned, I mean, the disciples were first called to leave their net. And then they, he said, give your life. And one of the things you brought up is just this idea that for some people, the temptation to go back is so so large i mean it's like almost irresistible that i just keep walking back like as paul kind of says like a a dog to my vomit yeah like i don't like where i'm keep walking back to (laughs) but i keep walking back there and in hebrews and and you mentioned this but in your message these people these patriarchs of faith who said hey we're we're believing for a better country but essentially it says the reason they didn't go back to that old country is because they gave themselves no option to do so and for me, I think that's been so true to my story that when it comes to some of the temptations, the struggles that I walked through, it wasn't a matter of me praying for more strength. It was a matter of me destroying the doors to get back to my old ways, totally. to, to the things that I was tempted to do. And, um, you know, whether that came to, uh, you know, whatever temptation it was and, and whatever season, it's I have to find a way to, to take practical steps so that. I can't just walk back into that old country. And that's something I think we don't talk about enough. And we we don't, I almost feel we don't resource people well enough to say, hey, do you know that on your phone you can have it shut off at 9 p.m. under a passcode that your accountability partner can have? An accountability partner, man, that's a weird word in Christianese, but a a passcode that a trusted friend can hold or for, for whatever it is, whether maybe you're married, maybe your wife has a passcode to your phone that shuts you down at 9 p.m. And yeah. I don't think it's shameful to admit that those are things you're doing. I think it's very honorable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, you, you said it and I think I'll, I'll just read the scripture because I think it's it's so important, but I'm going to come back to what you're talking about. But what it says is it says, um, and indeed, if they had been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had wow. the opportunity to return. So what God's saying is he's saying, if that's where your focus is, I talked a little bit about in the message, but if that's where your face is facing, if you're trying to drive forward, but you're looking backwards, then no wonder you're spinning in circles. (laughs) But I think in in that respect of when you're thinking about the temptation that's creeping up behind you, I don't know if you've ever been in like a house or a room where you feel like somebody else is there. And maybe there isn't, but it's dark and you're scared. You have this edge of the way you are. And it's like, for me, it was when I was a kid, anytime I turned the light off in the basement, you'd run up the stairs as fast (laughs) as you could. And I'm like, there are monsters down there. But I feel like sometimes we live that way as even young adults and as young Christians is there are monsters all around there. And because of that, I'm going to just be swiveling around and worried about those and then what ends up happening is when we're looking for him the devil just pops out and he's like oh yeah here's that temptation like oh i knew that there was pornography around that corner well yeah that's because you were on that site a really long time and it was way late at night and you had no people around you or oh man i knew that that moment of weakness or i knew that you know i was going to fall short well that's because you were on edge and you weren't moving forward so I think that's something that's, like you said, we, we need to talk about it more to say what boundaries, what guidelines, what things are you setting in place, not just in the area of purity, although we're talking about that in relationships here in our life groups right now, but what things do I need to be doing to protecting myself from those lies, from those temptations, from those things? And you know, when we, when we think about, am I looking behind me? Am I, am I setting up those guidelines on my phone? And you know, I think technology is the best thing and the worst thing that's happened to us. But I think everything, it's not just technology, it's everything. Because I mean, before technology, it's like, well, yeah, there's so much terrible things available. There's so much negativity. There's so much comparison. There's so much lust available. Well, there's also so many more eyes on you. So that's a positive to say, people know what I'm doing. People know what I'm 
I'm involved in people. If if I show up to a concert and it gets on social media, everyone knows I was there. Whereas maybe 30, 40 years ago, you could kind of be incognito. And so people are like, oh, I'm worried about my incognito window. It's like, well, you could literally do things without anybody knowing except for God. And so I think there's a benefit to that. Like you said, things like screen time, things like accountability, things like passcodes, all that stuff that we can protect. But more than that, I think it's communication to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Hey, I'm, I'm worried about the way I'm thinking about myself because I, I've been having suicidal thoughts. Can you come around me? Or, you know, opening up. And, and obviously we want to fill ourselves with scripture. We want to fill ourselves with what God's speaking to us. But sometimes it's, hey, I'm taking a lot of shots. Could, you, could I have somebody come into the ring with me? Could I have somebody help me out in this? And that's where, you know, you said accountability partner. I agree. It's kind of a Christianese word. Like, I've never heard someone who's not a Christian say accountability <laughs> partner. Like, yeah, man. Like, I just have this accountability partner for my finances. Like, what? Like, I don't know. I've never heard that. But I think it's true to say, hey, can you help me? Because I can't do this on my own. I can't beat this on my own. And whatever the area of temptation is, whatever the area of struggle is. But also knowing that what you're doing is advancing yourself in the call. I think sometimes we're beating ourselves so much up of, oh, I can't get out of this rut that I'm in. I can't stop thinking about myself negatively. I can't stop blowing up at people and being mean. I can't, whatever it is in your life. But really we think, no, I want to be better. I want to be the person God's called me to be. I want to be thinking about my future and my plans And when we stop looking at those things and we start looking at, instead of stopping doing the bad, let me start doing the good. Mm -hmm. You know, because after all, there's only so much time in the day. You only have so much energy. If you're spent reading a lot or you're spent hanging out with positive people, you're spent doing it, there's not as much time for that. I think the practical point of that is fill your time with the things of God, fill your time with positive things. You're not going to have time. It's like people say, yeah, I got another job so that I stay out of trouble. Yeah. Well, it's true. I think sometimes we can overanalyze ourselves out of the, the thing. Well, man, I just keep struggling every Tuesday night. Well, that's because you got seven hours by yourself at home and you're just chilling and all of a sudden you get lost in your head or you turn on Netflix or you, you know, you're just binge watching something and then your mind goes somewhere else and, hey, maybe schedule that time with a friend. Maybe get another job. Maybe, you know, hang out with somebody via FaceTime. I don't know, but it's like, Let's replace instead of try and fix it always. Yeah. It's like let's look at the positive rather than the yeah. negatives. Yeah. I when I when I think about, you know, that idea of just dwelling on the past, it's really impossible to run just away from something. Like you have to be running towards. You have to towards. there has to be an end goal and yeah, there's it's it's impossible to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but the only thing you ever think about is I don't want to sin. You know, I think sin consciousness is what drags us down so often. It's, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. And God's like, man, I, you truly repented. And I cast that as far as the East is from the West. Look, I don't even remember that is what he's saying. And we're just kind of dragging it down. And so it's a, that's uh, training your mind, I think, to allow yourself to breathe but to keep yourself accountable. I think yeah. that's, again, one of those tensions we talked about earlier. It's like, how can I have grace for myself, but have a super high standard? Because righteousness, that's our heart. Like, we want to be holy. We want to be able to enter in. And that's by Jesus alone. But we want our character to back up what we talk about and, and what we're doing. So Yeah, and I think one more thought on that is the point of no return is a popular metaphor that people use when talking about stuff like this. But in a, in a plane ride, there's they often only fly with the right amount of fuel to get you to your destination, maybe a little bit more in case of an emergency, but they're not going to put a bunch of extra fuel for a short flight from Minneapolis to Chicago. But if you're crossing the Pacific, probably they're going to put more fuel on it. But at some point in a plane's journey, they only have enough fuel to get them to their destination and not turn around. Obviously, if there's a malfunction early on, they could turn around, go back to the airport they came from. Or maybe there's something midway, of course, that they can do. But there's some point along it where it's, there's only enough fuel to get me to my destination. And for a lot of people, it's easy to get up in the air. It's easy to start flying around knowing you got a bunch of fuel in the tank to get you back home safe. 
The difficult part and the part that most people find is what separates the people who do the great things and the people who don't is those who are willing to push through that point of no return and say, I'm not going back. And that's what this verse is talking about. If they would have been thinking about how much food do I got? How long is the journey? How are my kids going to hold up? All of this. They wouldn't be able to get there. But because they said, I'm thinking about a better country. I'm thinking about a place that that is better than where I came from. That's it's going to take a lot of pain. It's going to take a lot of hurt. I may not even see it. It says that you, they didn't even see the promises mm-hmm. that God had had given them. But I'm going to go out and do this because that's what God's calling me to do, and I'm willing to overcome the point of no return. And so wherever we're at in our life, to say, okay, I've got to overcome that fear. I've got to overcome that insecurity. Only us and God can do that. Someone else can't push you over the edge. It's like skydiving. If somebody pushed you out of a plane, like you got it, you got to jump. You got to go for it. And it doesn't mean jump blindly. God's right there with you. It says, I'm, I'm walking with you through your darkest valley, but you got to go through it. You can't, you can't get through the darkest valley by being picked up and carried to the other side. It's, I'm going to walk through it with you, but you got to take a step. I'll be maybe a crutch in times. I'll be helping you at times. But I think more often than not, God's cheering us on. God's saying, I've given you I've given you the tools. I've given you the giftings. You can do it. You can accomplish this. But don't, don't stop and sit down. Mm. Don't walk back the other way because what I have for you is so much better on the other side. You just got to get through this season. And there's going to be another season. Mm. And there's going to be another season. But if we get back up, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with pain, is when you can overcome pain, when you can get punched in the mouth and get back up, then you're going to be able to see the things of God happen over and yeah. over again. Yeah, when you bring up that idea of of fuel, kind of the point of no return, another verse you brought up was this Psalms 23. Everyone loves to talk about this verse like, lead me by still waters, bring me to green pastures. And then the very next verse is yeah. like this super stark contrast where david goes from what seems like this really peaceful to like hey i'm hitting the, the valley of death and i like sustain me and maybe to like talk a little bit more about that idea of how do we fuel up how do we fuel up effectively i yeah. think one of the things one of the revelations i feel like god just spoke to me probably about six months ago was for me one of the things i don't find to be restful that some people do is tv like I think some people sit down and they binge some Netflix and they feel actually better. I, maybe I'm crazy, but it makes me feel worse. Like I'll sit down and watch even just an hour of meaningless TV and feel kind of like a couch potato. And so one of these revelations I felt like was God said, how do you feel when you wake up? And I was like, well, I feel rested. Maybe I feel a little sleepy because I'm just coming. But but when you're actually when you actually have rested, how do you feel? Well, I feel alive. I feel energized. And I realized that like in a moment of great self-awareness and in kind of self-perception understanding from my own heart, my rest comes from, this sounds kind of paradoxical, but from working out. And I found that I like to, I like to run and that actually that leaves me, that, well, that leaves me in a place where I feel energized. And so that's rest. And even though it might not be physically restful, it leaves me ready to run spiritually totally. and so i don't know if you have any maybe there are things you do you put practice in a place where this is my time of rest or maybe it's yeah. concrete or maybe it's a little more fluid where hey you know mac and i we do this and it's so refreshing and maybe maybe for you guys it is movies that's not shameful that's yeah. not bad i just think we have to understand and we have to have the self-awareness to say that moment by the green pasture and obviously our quiet time and our time in the word is very important our, our one-on-one time with the lord is yeah is critical but we have to find ways to get by a green pasture, to get by the still water, so that we can go through the valley of death. And totally. I don't know if you have any thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of great resources out there, but one that just came out this last year is is Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer, and uh, it's it's been a wildly popular book for a number of reasons. He's a great author, but I think the idea of of rest is something that we have misunderstood. Like mm. you said, it's I think. I think rest to us is not work. That's what a lot of people think. They think, okay, in order for me to rest, it's not working. It's not going to class. It's not going to my job. It's not taking care of my kids. It's not doing any of these things. It's I got to just do nothing. Mm. But that's not really what rest is talking about. Rest is talking about being filled. 
And in order to be filled, you got to put in the work. And I love how how John Mark talks about this is because he's he talks about Shabbat and that's the Sabbath in, in in Hebrew and it's something that we read a lot throughout Scripture. But for many of us, we think, oh, I'm just going to do nothing. But nothing is something. <laughs> nothing is saying I'm gonna I'm gonna not fill it with anything because I just need to veg out and watch Netflix and eat soda or eat pizza and drink soda and do all these things. And it's like. That's not filling us up. Mm -hmm. But the way he talks about it is anything that you can do that worships God and brings you closer to him, that's what God is wanting us to do. And you may say, oh, well, watching Netflix can bring me closer to God. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe you're you're different than me. But I think the purpose in that is do what is going to fill you up. Because after all, we work another maybe five or six days. We only get one or two days off a week. Some of us don't even get any days off, which I think that's something we gotta work into our schedule. But rest takes work. When I go on vacation, I have to work really hard before I leave for vacation Mm -hmm. because I have to make sure that everything during the week or two that I'm gone is taken care of. Because I can't just clock out and say, all right, you guys do all the work. I'll be back in two weeks. No. Life has to get done. Things have to get done. I have to prepare. All right, who's doing that? Who's taking care of this issue? Who's leading that group? How many, you know, what things do we need taken care of? Do we need any budget things that need to be worked out? I'm working and working, working. And until the moment I leave on vacation, it's like you're working a 70, 80 hour week or whatever before you leave on vacation. And then when you get back, you're working a bunch. It's because rest takes work. You had, In order to give yourself that time to rest and to recharge and be refueled, You've got to put the work in beforehand. And so I think that's the the biggest thing that stuck out to me in that book. But the biggest thing that I'm observing about rest is I can't just do rest on a whim. I can't just say, oh, I'm going to just rest right now. No, I have to be intentional because I have other responsibilities. I got a wife. I got, you know, a job. I got all these other things that I need to take care of. And I know for me and for many people, you open up your Bible or you think about what you want to do that is going to honor God. But because you're distracted, maybe you read the words, but you didn't get them in your heart. You watched the podcast or you listened to it, but you didn't really pay attention to what God was speaking to you through it. Or you're listening to the song, but you're actually thinking of another song or you're thinking about what you got going on in your life. It takes a lot of work to rest. And so I think when we talk about the quiet waters, when we talk about the green pastures, it's what God's saying is prepare yourself for those moments and work hard to get those moments Mm -hmm. Because you know, all of a sudden, the darkest valley is coming. All the way, I'm leading you into into a different and hard destination. But you've got to be intentional about it. Because if all of a sudden, you're walking through the darkest valley, and then during the, your time of rest, you're working really hard and, and doing all these things, and then you get to the next valley, you're going to be exhausted. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are at today, is they say, I'm doing all these things. I'm working really hard for you. But then when it comes to the time of rest, it's, I'm going to fill my mind with garbage and waste it it's like how many times do we spend three hours scrolling on youtube or instagram and say man i could have read a whole book yeah (laughs) i could have read a lot of scripture and it's not to be you know superficial i don't think social media is always wrong i don't think that youtube i love youtube but it's am i am i taking the time that i know i should be filling myself up and am i pouring myself out or at least the faucet's off and then I'm surprised when I get into the hard moments and I don't have anything left. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's to equate rest with laziness. Uh, that's just sad. It's just... Uh, but it's easy. It's easy to think that way. That's that's how most of us think is, oh, I'm just going to be lazy today. It was a good lazy Saturday. It was a good lazy day. <laughs> and I think there might be times where we need that quote-unquote laziness, but it's I'm being intentional about what I need. Mm. Yeah, I, I maybe do need to sleep in or I maybe do need to chill and not do things that's great and everyone's different it doesn't mean you need to go out and hike a mountain for me i love getting out in nature nature god speaks to me i think some of the biggest moments i've had um in the in the presence of god is when i'm out in his creation observing what he's you know built and the artist of who he is but i can't just go out in nature especially on days where it's negative 30 degrees (laughs) but I say I'm going to be intentional about trying to find some time to do that. But then the other days that I'm at home or the other days that I'm at work where I'm going to have a moment of rest or maybe it's in between lunch or maybe it's, you know, a couple hours here and there. It's I'm going to purposefully get into a posture and a position 
and sometimes even a place. I think a physical place speaks a lot. I know for me, when I'm in my office, I have a, a mindset about what I'm doing in my office is I'm there to work. When I'm at home on the couch, I'm probably not getting anything done because that's where I sit and I watch sports or I watch something on TV. And so I think there's something to be said about places. When Jesus went out in the desert, he could have locked himself in a room, but he didn't. Mm. He said, I'm going to go out in the desert. I'm going to go out in the wilderness. I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to not be interrupted. I'm going to observe the land that God's created. And that's how he fasted and rested and prepared himself for the rest of his ministry. And so, again, it's knowing ourself. But I think there's intentionality behind rest Mm. that I think is the purpose behind the Sabbath rather than just a tune out stop working for a second it's i'm going to prepare to rest yeah and you talk about the sabbath i think it's interesting to rewind all the way to genesis and see that god took a day but i also think one of the things that's really interesting about genesis the narrative when it talks about it it says there was evening and then there was morning and that was the end of day one there was evening and then there was morning that was the end of day two and for us our days go morning evening next day morning evening and i just heard this interesting idea that in in god's timing or in god's world when he created the earth he took what the evening as the beginning of the day and what did he do first he rested so that when the morning came he could work really hard and so if you don't rest well you're not going to work well but if you don't work well how do you rest how do you rest when you're not tired i'm sure you've had those moments where you lay down in bed and your mind's just going pretty much every night (laughs) (laughs) you need some help Uh, but there is that that notion of why do we work hard you know this is actually helping us rest yeah and we're spending ourselves so that we can be filled up again yeah and shabbat the sabbath it actually in in the hebrew calendar it starts on friday night it starts at sundown and so what you're talking about is is true and you're when you prepare to rest the next day the next morning you know, if you think about what time you got to get up, if you got an early flight, or for you, I know he Brett, he gets up at like two in the morning because he's crazy. But it's okay. What time do I need to go to bed? You kind of work backwards. What time do I need to go to bed in order to get up at this time? How many hours of sleep do I want to get? Do I want to get five, six, seven, eight plus hours of sleep? But I think a lot of times we worry about the morning of what time we need to wake up, and we don't worry about what time we need to go to bed. And in the same way as believers, we worry about what's coming up instead of what we need to do to prepare for what's coming up. Yeah. How many of us have been there writing our papers last minute that oh. turn it into 11.59? How many of us have been there working at projects at work that we know we need to get done for the next day? And it's a big presentation for that job that you you know have or the boss is coming into town or whatever it is, and we're working on it last minute. It's because we were worried about the deadline instead of worried about the journey. Yeah. And I think in our lives as believers, it's God, show me what I need to be doing today in order to get there. Mm. Show me how I need to be living out my life in, in my school or in my job or in my family so that I can get there. Because if we're focused too much on the opportunities, like we said, if we're focused too much on the dreams, we're going to miss what's right in front of us and we're never going to be able to get there. Because yeah. it's like this this ladder and it's not this ladder of you know religion that's stepping up in 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 you know a like a level you know we're not saying oh i'm leveling up in my christian faith but it's no i am stepping on the opportunities that god has Mm. the things that i've learned through the pain i've walked through the strength and leadership that i've grown the books that i've read the people who've influenced me that's how i'm growing and then god's going to lead me there through all those things i look back on my life and i see so many things that have led me to be where I'm at today. And there's gonna be many things over the next 10, 20 years that lead me to where I am there. It's not one moment, it's not one day, it's a lifetime of God speaking to you through all these different things. And in that, then God reveals it to you and says, that's where I want you to be. So whether it's rest, whether it's work, it's all aspects of our life. It's we gotta be living our purpose out in everything. And in doing that, then we're gonna see success. for sure. A note on waking up early. You once told me that all great people wake up before five. So not all great people. I just but it was like the top <laughs> top CEOs or whatever. I'm I'm working on. It. I feel like I I wake up at a different time every single day. But I'm not a morning person mm-hmm. at all. I'm literally like so. If you're listening right now and you'd say I'm not a morning person, I'm with you because I want to wake up at five. <laughs> I want to get up, but I look at my clock or I look at my phone or whatever. 
and I just am like, man, it's it's 2 a.m. somewhere. I got to go back to bed. <laughs> or I don't know. I just think it's so hard. But I think the point behind that isn't necessarily the time they get up, but it's they're willing to work when other people aren't. Mm. And so maybe for you it's staying up late. But it's, okay, I'm staying up late knowing I can sleep in. I'm staying up late knowing that I that's where I work the best. Um, but I think there is something to be said about people who get up early. There's an attitude about them that says, I prepared for this yesterday and last night. Yeah. I'm prepared for what I have ahead of wow. me today. And because of that preparation, then we're able to see a successful day. And yeah. I think that's something too is, I want to have a successful life, but it starts with a successful day. Right. It starts with making the most of every opportunity. And sometimes we fail, sometimes we fall short. But we're never going to say, I'm going to get over my addiction. I'm going to get over my insecurity. I'm going to get over all the issues that are going on in my life by just one day saying it's over. It's I'm going to beat it today. I'm going to be a victor today. I'm going to be a champion today. I'm going to be the woman of God that, that he's called me to be today. I'm going to be the man that says I can do it, that I don't need to be held back. That's who I am. And we do that every single day. And even though there's failure, God picks us back up. That's why he says, I walk with you through it. But let's keep moving forward because God wants us to lead successfully and God wants us to be healthy in the process. And I'm believing that that means we can be focused on the better country, that heavenly country that yeah. God has for us, which is our future and eternity with him. And that's exciting. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the 20 Plus Podcast. I know that I enjoyed it a lot. It was a great conversation. Oh, yeah. I felt like we could have talked for hours and hours. And, you know, maybe this is the way it's going to look for the future. Maybe it's going to look different. But I think it's exciting just to talk about Jesus, talk about what he's doing in our lives, how it applies to us as young adults, and uh, believing that God's going to just continue to do huge things through you. We believe you. We're for you, whether you're, you're here in Minneapolis and a part of our, our ministry here at River Valley, or if you're listening from afar and you say, hey, I'm just cheering for you guys and what you guys are doing there. We know that God's got a huge plan for you, and he's just got great things in store for you. And, and as we talked about today, he has a better country for you and a better place. And so wherever you're at, whatever your journey is, we, we're for you and we're praying for you and believing with you that God is going to do amazing things in your life and you're going to step into the calling that he's put on you.